What can I say? I get very excited when I hear that little instrumental stinger. Welcome to season four, episode 12 of What It Happened Was with our esteemed every week guest, the one and only Questlove from the Roots crew. And we are getting down to it, y'all. In fact, for most seasons of What It Happened Was, this would have been the last episode. But, spoiler alert, there is one more after this. So, when you get to this week's cliffhanger ending, don't fret. There is one episode remaining. Currently, we are deep into the story of things fall apart and pick up where we left off. Hearing the story of You Got Me. We also get the origins of Act Two, Love of My Life and Double Trouble featuring Most Def, which in itself, the song, the story of this song contains another of the greatest stories in what had happened history. You can support this podcast by spreading the word to folks who are interested in the stories behind legendary hip-hop classics and giving us 10,000 stars on your favorite podcast platform. In fact, you can also give us 10,000 stars on your second favorite platform. It's all okay, it's all perfectly legal, and it's all encouraged. This podcast is part of the Stony Island Audio Network, the home of rap podcasts you can, you know, listen to. Including shows like Stories About Songs with Kevin Beecham, The Questions, Hip Hop Trivia, The Dad Bod Rap Pod, and more. And with that, let's get into it. This is the penultimate episode. Things Fall Apart, Part 3. One, two, one, two. It's all, it's all about things fall apart, you know Like bad actors make scenes fall apart, you know Like poorly built machines fall apart this morning But then things unseen fall apart, hip-hop Since the first beat dropped in the park was sparked It's all facts, not shots in the dark, you know It's like best laid plans fall apart, things But your one last chance fell apart, Big Bang The whole universe expanding apart, we be the last podcast standing apart, check. Prosecution, whole case fell apart, DJ. Turn up the bass, the whole place fell apart, Questlove. What had happened was state of the art cliffhangers. At the end, it can't wait till the start today. We're hearing all about things fall apart, Mikey. Under pressure 16, fall apart, shit. So, what had happened was part four, season four. Things fall apart. Just like that, just like they did right there. We'll get back into it in one second, but I need to take a quick moment and shout out our sponsor, DistroKid. Man, so many of my homies use DistroKid. It's a music distribution service that makes distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keeping 100% of their royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to put their music on Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. A million plus artists, and I swear I know at least a hundred of them. And now DistroKid has an app. You can use the app to upload new releases, see your DistroKid bank, and get notified when you've earned royalties. You can even check your streaming stats live. The DistroKid app is now available on iOS. Go to the App Store and download it. DistroKid also has a new feature called Instant Share that allows you to easily share large files securely with collaborators, producers, booking agents, managers, playlist curators, 
and more. Basically, anybody that needs access to your music, there's an easy way to upload it and send them a link. Go to distrokid.com slash instant share, drag and drop your files to upload, and then you can copy and send your link right there. It's free to send one gigabyte of files. That's like 100 MP3s. Don't quote me on that. Go to distrokid.com slash open mic. That's distrokid.com slash open mic. O-P-E-N-M-I-K-E for 30% off your membership. So the homage to uh, German bass culture, which, you know, I'm really shocked that America really didn't catch on to German bass culture. And I know that even with bombs over Baghdad, like that's what Dre was going for, like that sort of speed and adrenaline. Our first night in London, we went to a nightclub and they were playing uh, Anita Baker's Sweet Love. And we were like laughing at them like, they danced the balance over here. And then suddenly when the chorus came in, I'm in love and the place was chaotic. Ah, man, that was such a, a lesson for us. So we knew that that was an untapped source. And it's kind of weird, like, even now, like, with with uh, Uzi Vert, like, really, truly opening the door to... The Jersey Club. Jersey sound. Club or Baltimore House or whatever, you know, like, I don't know who's claiming it. I just want to... That energy is coming, like, finally. It's like, really, you guys show up, like, after 25, <laughs> 25 years, like, years later. as nostalgia. Mm-hmm. And so that's where it was. Um, so the confusion comes in the fact that I'm hearing you got me for the first time ever while I'm when I'm mixing it. I heard the first verse. You were struggling with the second and third verse with, like, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, writer's block and whatnot. So I'm hearing this song for the first time, and when I hear... You know, I'm the type of always catch her the fires. You know, the hot of the night. That's when she says. And that's when she flipping get on some Another lonely night. No, but I'm the, the tracks are down, and I'm like, where's the vocal at? Like, cause Tariq stops rhyming, uh-huh. and she goes. I got to be out at the height of the night, and that's when she flipping get on some. But she's on like track 24 or something like that, so I'm not thinking. I don't because of communication right you weren't told that there's something to even listen for other than right. yeah exactly so i had a rich and i'm like yo uh how come his second verse cuts off like that and he's like because eve picks it up i'm like who's eve <laughs> it's like eve i was like who's eve and you know like I, it's like i'm supposed to know all these characters i mean i'm not trying to play snobby or whatever but like i just wasn't hanging with the crew while they were recording vocals. I'm especially. always working. Yeah. And if there's free time, then I'm back with D'Angelo. You know what I mean? So I don't know who's who or what's what. So, you know, kind of my introduction to her was more like I just stored her in randos. Like, oh, great. There's another MC who I don't know. 
And then I really got annoyed when I heard her voice on Ain't Say Nothing New. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, is this the thing where you just, uh, yo, yo, come out of the studio, you know, yeah. we'll, we'll see what's up. Like, yeah. that sort of thing, which I hate that. Like, I never, like, yo, why don't you come out of the studio and I could do some tracks for you? And, like, I don't know. I just was like, so what, our one chance to get a touchdown and now it's like Tariq and Erica. We already got the Jill situation. That's confusing enough. But now, like, the random... What's her name? Eve? I never... Uh, Eve of Destruction, man. You don't know Eve of Destruction, so... You niggas capitalize on lies. Surprise, open your eyes. Baby girl from Illadel here to enhance your lives. Doubted my skills. Bet you mad now. Should've snatched me up. I'm in L.A. now. With Dre now ain't coming back because I'm stuck. Had enough for all the bullshit that's selling me dreams. Had enough for fake cats trying to shine off these schemes. But I'm laughing. It was like, whatever. And so, you know, when I did the credits, I was just like, you know, no, no, background, uh, even destruction. Like, I didn't know that in two weeks. Right. Was it that quick? Yo, stuff was happening so lightning fast. In two weeks, Eve's manager had made a contact with Dr. Dre. So Eve had already been signed as an artist on, uh, she's part of Rough Riders. And she was on the, the Bullworth soundtrack. And then Dre heard her on the Bullworth soundtrack. He's like, yo, I got to mess with her. Scott Storch gets wins that, wait, you're going out to see the Dr. Dre? Please come, please, please, please take me what you did. I don't know how it happened. But now, even Scott went out two weeks later, met with Dr. Dre, and instantly he never let go. Instantly, Scott starts with Still Dre, with just anything that has been done in that camp that is remotely keys oriented. Yeah. I don't realize that a whole nother revolution is starting over there. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like, oh, had I known that an even bigger celebrity was a part of the song that I would have been like, oh, like, let's milk it for all it's worth. You know, it's just the fact that I was I was a little pissed that, like, 
well, is this my group or not? Like, do, do I not get agency or say, like, so it's just like I do the music and then, but I bet you any amount of money, Tariq also feels, the way that I feel that Tariq holds the power in the group, Tariq feels that I have the power in the group. And so that's, that's always kind of been the dynamic. So it was just a, a steady stream of non-communication where now we're in, we're we're in this vortex of work on music in Philly and then around lunchtime someone's going to deliver the tapes from the studio uh uh Larry Gold studio and then we're going to drive up to New York and start mixing at 7 in the morning and get it done by 3 a.m. drive back to Philly listen to the mixes as we're driving back to Philly and then be back in Sigma to do the same thing over and I mean, over. How many, and, and so you're making 300 to 500 songs. I mean, how many of those are you really mixing though too? Cause that's, um, when I say making songs, it's more like musical beds. Some of them will make it to the lyrical thing, like one verse or two verse gotcha, or whatever, gotcha, but it's sort gotcha. of like, is it going to happen? So you're Not, mixing things that made it to a full music bed. We're and only got mixing a full added. song. Yes. Yes. So when I told you earlier that, I was 65% voodoo, 35% roots. Pretty much three days on the roots, which, you know, again, a lion's share of the work was the lyrical content and the song creation. Like, we could knock off songs. I could knock off 10 tracks instantly like that. But do they feel it? Do they like it? Or they like it? They're right to it? Is it ready? Not ready. Right is black. Is it ready? Oh, okay. The two verses. Is it ready? Is it ready? So, you know, kind of in that limbo-ish thing, I just go to Electric Lady and be like, all right, page me when it's time to need a new batch. Like, they got to write through these four songs, right? So I got time on my hands. So I'd spend like four days in a row with D'Angelo and do all that stuff. And then Double Trouble came. Oh, I love that song. So you and the Mighty Most Deaf, the man who almost got you beat up. <laughs> <laughs> Cause they must have forgot We double trouble Bubble, uh, bubble, 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 bubble that hot Well it's like smack the track up And leave dents in it The vocalist busting its blunt Instruments spit The magnificent rappers run from it All fly girls, nipples and toes Numb from it MCs in my circumference It's confronting son Get your gross stunner from this You don't want it, want it The black daughter M.O.S. that done it Who the old tummy Yo, my man speak up on it Yo, I stop fools and drop jewels But never run it Rock mic so nice I make your stock price plummet Oh, you high noon ride so here's the deal with Double Trouble. The original Double Trouble. Yeah, I was curious if, if Yasin was involved from the beginning of the song or not. So this this song is what I say work woke me up. So the original Double Trouble was just this. What became the end of the song? Take those drums away, make it more drier, and that was double trouble. Tell them again, it's just me and Tariq with a me on the beat. The roots crew, baby, yo, we got to make it unique. We got the soul shocking ass, body rocking ass, non stopping ass, fortified lives, survive the apocalypse. Rhymes we say, the perfect blend, because we know how to rock when the beat come in. Like, so let's go back to Electro Lady. Studio C. Devil's pie, devil's pie, devil's pie, devil's pie, devil's pie, devil's pie. 
1998 premiere. I know that premiere came with four people, of which Alchemist reminds me that he's one of those four people. Wow. This big unk on the checkout. Leather Stacy Adams boot when I step out. More muscle, I pull a piece of your neck out. Bacon cake and only serve it when it's fresh out. Off the oven rack, bottom crispy like a hundred stack. So Alchemist was part of Premier's crew. Like I think it was Gordon. I think it was Gordon. Maybe one of the NYGs, Alchemist, and Premier carrying records. Yeah, and we're at Electric Lady Studios, so that's still on the top floor. So you're going up three flights of stairs with with crates, and Premier's just like you know he's he's he he is the the Daniel whom uh, three Michelin star chef of cutting. He doesn't copy paste. It has to be the perfect thing. It's not like, do you take one of that scratch and take 12 of that? No, you. No, no comping. Yeah. yeah, he's that level of ADD of perfection, which I appreciate. <laughs> you know my They're working on, on Devil's Pie. Now there's another factor in my life happening. Around... June of 99, Common's like, yo, I think I'm assigned to y'all's label and I want you to work on, I want you to do my entire album. So now like Water for Chocolate's into play. So now I got triple duty. So now it's almost like, you know. Hey, what's up? They still working on vocals? All right, cool. And now daytime with Common. D'Angelo will, he mostly likely get to the studio 5 p.m., 6 p.m. So between like 9 a.m., in 5 p.m. Common time. So Common's Common's uh instincts are right on point. Yeah, something is a brewing and I want I want I want in. I want part of this. So he knows that Erica's cooking up something. He knows D'Angelo's cooking up something. He knows the roots are cooking up something. I gotta yeah, get on this train. Yeah. So smart man. This is where it starts. And so, if I recall correctly, in Studio A, we're working on doing it. Keep on, keep, motherfucker, move back. I pursue rap at the pace of a new jack. Miscellaneous numbers and shoes stack. Bruce rap I deliver for the hungry and underprivileged. Something different from these hollering grunting niggas. This is business strictly. Step to my business is risky, especially when you was bitches missy. I've told the story of doing it plenty of times before. I was snowed in Detroit with Dilla. Um, we couldn't get to the airport, so we're spending the night. Uh, Frank of Frank and Dink is like, yo, let's have the Olympics. And I was like, what's duh? What's the Olympics? And the Olympics is like, you got five minutes to make a beat. Like someone, you're, someone gives you five random records. You got to make some shit now. And I was like, oh, this will be fun. So I, you know, look again. He's God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, who am I to go against God? But I'm gonna have fun seeing yeah. him. Any opportunity I got to meet, I have this on videotape. I need to find this tape. And I'm picking records for him, like Johnny Mathis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picking songs like Ashley's Roach Clip by the Soul Searchers because I'm like, that's a whack beat. 
no one, no one. And everybody's used Airbnb every part of it anyway. Right. Yeah. Like I'm thinking that old method of like, oh, this is a whack breakbeat, so you can't make nothing out of this. And oh, there's street songs by Rick James. Uh, let me cut you a break. Here, make some out of uh, Give It To Me. And the clock. He has ten minutes to make some shit. Ten minutes. Because again, no, no paralysis through analysis. Right. If you overthink it, with ten minutes on the clock, he's just moving. And he grabs the Rick James record. I'm like, no, ain't no fucking way <laughs> he's gonna make no sell this goddamn Rick James shit. And he's just sitting there. He sits there for two minutes. He lets two minutes go by. He's like, ah, ah, man. Oh man, y'all might got me, man. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Shit, shit, shit. And he starts like doing stuff, and I'm like, yo, dog, there's no way you're going to do some shit. And he's like, this is when you know Dilla has something. He'll say, oh, okay, okay, okay. All right, okay, okay. All right. When he says woo, that's his personal internal version of, oh, no, this. Yeah. <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. When you hear that that Mantronic siren, that's when he's like, yeah, okay, 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 I got it, I got it, yeah, I got it. Woo, okay. And Frank was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and I was like, wait, what's, I'm not knowing what's, I'm not knowing that I'm about to cross the 405 and get my ass beat. <laughs> and he went over by like a minute and a half, but I'm like, I'm just curious. Motherfucker me doing it right there mm. on the spot. And I'm like, where's give it to me? And he's literally like, it's there. And I'm like, huh? And he, <laughs> he just, here, look, it's for your listeners. Literally, I'm thinking like you're making a beat out of this, because the only people I know that use that was Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince for "I'm All That." And suddenly he's just like, "Yeah, I'm just not just tuned it down to this," you know, like the 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 the. Jesus. Keep on. 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 I was just like, who the fuck are you? <laughs> and if that and if that's not enough, we go to sleep. I sleep on the couch, and then the motherfucker makes what I consider the greatest Dilla track of all time. He makes Little Brother. Yeah, doing this Listen. song. Your revolution will not be televised or broadcast live on the internet. Listen. 
And the thing is, is that when you're a beat maker, the best way to get better is to remake other people's beats. So he would always make Pete Rock interlude beats. But the rule was like, yo, never let it get out. That's his practice stuff. He's right, because he, he doesn't want to ruffle feathers. Right, with, with like, I made your beat better than you or some shit right. like that. He would never put the Pete Rock beats on his beat tapes because he doesn't want smoke with, with Pete or Premier or any of his idols. And so even how Most and Quali got it, it was almost the same way that Michael Jackson got human nature. Like, it was accidentally on the B-side of a blank cassette that he forgot he put. He made another beat for them for Little Brother, and I guess it got to the end of the tape, and wait, what's, like, this? what's this? Yeah. And they literally just put that cassette on Two Inch Real and rhymed to the cassette thing. We rap the ain't got, ain't nobody can't start, nobody like us. We crush the faint hearts, some haunted the same marks. Walking the main blocks, painted with blood is still hot. So deep in stained socks, the pain sparks frustration situations lead to hate. And I mean, he was a little miffed that, but you know, they thought like, oh, we thought. Yeah, they they had no way of knowing that it was wasn't something that he wanted out. Right, and just his level of chopping was just like no shit ever seen before. So I know that Dilla was there working. Common was doing vocals for doing it. And uh, uh, as long as it's funky, all right. Okay. Uh, uh, as long as it's funky, I don't know my right. own music. The roots and that's me be the family tree. That's me and the roots be the family tree. The roots and that's me and the tree. Come on. As long as it's funky, all right. And so we visit Studio C upstairs, and now Tip's upstairs, Alchemist is there, Primo's there, Dilla's there, I'm there, and we're just kicking it, talking, and Tip is like, yo, Dilla, yo, like, yo, Jay, like, I know you got some shit, and Jay's also, oh, man, you know, cool, yo, cool. <laughs> and it's 98, and he's playing shit like, that will be on Welcome to Detroit. And we're just like, yo! And I even think Alchemist had a little thing, whatever, and then people were like, yo! This is and then Premiere, like freshly off of like Moment of Truth just coming out. So this new level Premiere coming out. I believe that my memory serves me correct. One of the beats that's on the owners, he plays a track there, and they're like, oh, shit. And the tip is working on his solo record. So he's playing like um, what Dilla did for him. 
do, do, do. I think we should ride. Oh my ride. God. Okay, Go ride. Yeah. So it's just like a magic circle of, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. All right, Amir, what y'all working on in Philly? And I was like, well, I said, oh, man, I, I ain't on y'all level. I don't, I don't got shit. He's like, nah, man, no. What you got? What you got, man? What you got? And so, you know, I had a cassette in my pocket. And, you know, I had this. Here's the thing, though. Them lying-ass motherfuckers was not honest with me. Who was the lying motherfucker? Oh, everybody All in that room? So here's the thing. When when a person plays a beat, this is why I don't like when people are like, hey, give me give me an opinion or whatever. It's like, first of all, you don't want me to give an opinion or whatever. You basically want me to Say do I the like Questlove it. cosign. Hmm. Yo, I ride for this shit, whatever. So I don't like listening to people's stuff in front of them. Right. It's like opening someone's gift in front of them. Oh, I love the gift. Thank you. Uh, Cardigan sweater and <laughs> one XL, like, you know, some size I don't fit. There's something I, I I know called demo head nod. Uh, you know it well. It's when you like look at the ground, <laughs> chewing the lips. It's when you you furrow your brow, you have a you you force a very serious look. Yeah, and you just nod your head. That's when I know some shit's a disaster. And I quickly ran out, turned off. It's like, yeah, man, you know we're not ready. And it was. It was a rough it was a rough mix or whatever. But it was that moment where I was like, this can't be 6535 anymore. I gotta go home. I gotta take a break. So I took I took a seven week voodoo break. So instantly I tell James, like, yo, man, let's stop bullshitting and let's like let's get with it. So we make Love of My Life Act Two. The anticipation of roses, time froze. I stared off the stage with my eyes closed and dove into the deep cosmos. The impact pushed back the first five rows. But before the raw live shows, I remember eyes a little snot nose, rocking gazelle, guy goes and eyes I close. Learning the ropes of ghetto survival. People not the situation I had to slide through. Had to watch my back, my front, plus my size too. When it came to getting mine, I ain't trying to argue. Sometimes I wouldn't have made it if it wasn't for you. Hip hop, you the love of my life. We already made Double Trouble, but I'm like, nah, I want some shit that's going to make those motherfuckers want to carjack somebody and run somebody over with a truck. And it was like, ah, oh, fuck, man, they gave me demo now. My shit is whack. I'm not the man. I, they just see me as a really dope drummer whose band does this really nice thing in concert, but I'm not the man on wax. And I was just like, I can't be a lover of records and a record collector of this caliber and not make product on this medium that I live for that wow. doesn't blow their minds. So I, I, I had to start from the beginning. And in a way that I haven't done since Do You Want More, which I used as an excuse to avoid my heartbroken father after the breakup of my parents, you know, staying at the studio late, 
learning what does this button do? What does this button do? So I had to learn the studio. Like I knew what I wanted this song to sound like. Now, how do I get out of my head and figure out how to translate it here? So a lot of experiments, a lot of compression, a lot of what does this EQ do? What does this preamp do? Oh, I could put this through the guitar amp and it sounds dirty. Oh, what makes it sound like this? Well, how do Bill Brothers records sound like this? How do so for seven weeks I just I had to learn and get like basically uh, uh, introduce myself to studio equipment all over again, and we nailed it. So the story about Double Trouble is basically once. It's musically satisfying to me. We sent it to New York. We collectively decided that uh, most deaf. And the thing is, is that these jam sessions are also getting the attention of the label. And their thing is like, yo, we might as well follow you guys' lead since you're trying to gather the flock of all the left to center people since for these jam sessions. you're growing your own crops. Right. We might as well sign them. Yeah. So now, oh, hey, Farrell Munch, come sign to this label. Oh, hey, most definitely Tyler Kweli, come sign to this label. Wait, who else you got, Amir? Slum Village? Come sign to this label. So they're, everyone's signing the MCA. So pretty much um, we are going to go to Battery Studios to record Moses' verse of Double Trouble. I get there a little bit late, and uh, the engineer's like, okay, so they laid a rough down. I said, oh, Tariq and uh, uh, Mos? He said, no, it wasn't Tariq. And myself, I'm like, well, you said they. And he says, well, this is what they did. And press play. And I'm like, wait, is this another girl on the track? Like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> and I called Riz. I was like, this doesn't sound like Eve. What girl is this? And Riz like, I don't know. I was like, who's this rhyme? And I called Rico. Like, who's this person? I said, and I'm asking an engineer, who's who's the person? I don't know. He's with most. So Riz is like, all right, well, let me figure it out. So I figure I got like a 90-minute window. So I chill, I take an hour break and I happen to be in the hallway and fresh from the what they do sessions, I see Jerry Brown, Raphael Sadiq's engineer. I'm like, yo, what are you doing here? He's like, oh man, I'm working with my new client. I said, really? I said, does the studio look just like Christmas? When Whenever Raphael Sadiq uh, records, side note, um, Jerry Brown makes the entire studio look like Christmas time. Because wow. it's a happy associated memory with Raphael Sadiq. So anytime so you hear dope. Raphael record, just know that there's a, a full throttle Christmas setup in there. So I see Jerry. I'm like, yo, do you have the Christmas setup in there? He's like, yeah, you want to see it? I was like, yeah. And I walk in and I look. I was like, oh, God, you really did make it sound like Christmas. Girl sitting there laughing on the couch. I'm like, hey, how you, how you doing? He said, oh, yeah, man, it's my new client. Uh, her name's Alicia. I was like, oh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. And it's like, yeah, Alicia's just signed to Columbia Records and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Me and Alicia Keys, I become like BFFs. Like we're we're just discovering like uh, uh, Krispy Kreme just started hitting New York and all that stuff. So we're like talking about stuff and you know we're 
I'm telling her, like, yeah, I'm working with D'Angelo. Oh, I like his music and everything. She, this is before the A minor. She was still a, an artist on Columbia Records. Jermaine Dupri's dad signed her, you know, so they're working. So I'm just chilling in her room. We're talking, shooting up. Anyway, I go back to my session and discover that Moses' partner, new partner, Talib Kweli, Talib Kweli or something, <laughs> is that second voice. His voice was so high, I thought it was a oh, woman's Oh, wow. Okay. So I was like, uh, uh-uh. This, this is overload, man. And Rich agreed. like yeah, That it was a step too far. Yeah. And Rich's like, what the fuck? It's called double trouble, not triple trouble. True. So, you know, to this day, Kwali, like, lets me have it. That yeah. On that reel is my verse. Like, it was supposed to be three MCs, like, rhyming, but I got kicked off the thing, so... Basically, Tariq came and they readjusted it. There was that. Tariq did not like Love My Life Act 2. Kind of the thing when you're embracing this new Dilla-like thing, it's like you have these hard-ass drums, but you really have this emo, soft, musical, billowy backdrop. A lot, of, a lot backdrop, of melody, yeah. Which, you know, kind of just reads as, as soft, you know, which now we live in an age where motherfuckers are connected to their emotions they're not too threatened by not being 12,000% hardcore masculine every 12 seconds. Like, you can be, like, a little bit relaxed without being on defense. And, you know, not everything has to sound like Money Cash shows by Swiss Beats. <laughs> <laughs> like, that sort of thing. But there was something, like, so emotional about... Yeah, it's a very emotional sounding song. Yeah, and I'm like, come on, man. Like, my thing was, like, I was determined to make... I wanted to make an electric relaxation. I needed a song on side two that almost made you, the listener, want to get in your feelings, like... Lush, kind of. Yeah, yeah, like, yo, like, that that really hit me. In, and Tariq, he didn't like it. And I'm like, all right, so we're going through this barbershop shit again. Like, you don't want to play this because you think the dudes at the barbershop going to think, like, we soft or something like that. And then I figured out a way. So I had a champion. Shout out to Cosmic Strictly Skills Kev, our own Funk Master Flex of Philadelphia. Cosmic Kev, yeah. Very legendary DJ. Ah, ah, ah. We would always do these focus groups. Cosmic Kev would listen to these beats. All right, I like this thing. I like that thing. I like this beat. I like that beat. Whatever. When he heard Love My Life, he's like, yo. That is crazy. Y'all out of y'all minds, y'all do. I'm like, yes, get him there. Get him there. Like, and you know, Jimmy was like, all right, I'll do it. So I had I had another trick up my sleeve. Common. Common. The verse was so mind-blowing, and he brought it back to I Used to Love Her, right. that it was almost like we forced Tariq to put him on the spot. 
like, oh, word, you you going to let... Because also I knew I had another weapon in my pocket, which was sort of like, okay, so for all my shit that's getting passed up, I now have an outlet in which all my passed up shit Got you. has a home. Got you. And that's called like water for chocolate. So cool. You can throw on this if you want to. So it was sort of like a, I mean, it wasn't Roots and Fuji-ish because we're all family. Right. But it was also like, oh, come on, dog. I thought you was going to never teach the Wu-Tang. Like, for real, you're going to give, you know, and I use that to my advantage. Like, oh, well, Common will just take it if y'all don't want this. And then, like. Uh, light up. <laughs> right, exactly. And so, thus forcing Tariq to write to it. So that's sort of, like, how how that came to be. Well, here, quick question, though. Common does, I used to love her. There's some shots thrown in that verse, though. And y'all coming off of what they do and he all that. He never caught it. Okay. You know, Common is is the king of throwing shots to somebody and And they don't even And never they they never catch it. It's mm. almost like and Common's like, well if motherfuckers are real MCs, then they would know I was throwing the shots, but since they ain't real MCs, I'm just out here like the Wild West, like bucking shots at people. I don't know. It's it's I didn't once think of like a it was, I wasn't that triggered to be like no, never again will we not bust a shot. <laughs> but and I again, mean, just because it, it was specifically it like, at Puff. Right, like, and I took it, yeah, and I took it like, hey, man, it is what it is. A daddy a beat eyes are puff, 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 But for me, the, the song sounded so beautifully emotional that I wasn't going to change nothing about it. Gotcha. So, you know, by that point, I'll say that we had a cohesive record. Funny funny story about Without a Doubt, which I didn't mind keeping on, even though it kind of stuck out as a sore thumb. It's like obvious not to Schoolie D Saturday night. We recorded, without a doubt, at a studio in Kashahakit, which was owned by uh, one of my schoolmates uh, who's slightly older. Like, I was in fourth grade. He was, like, 11th grader. I went to a school that went from, like, first grade to 12th, and his, his name is Ted. Ted takes us to a studio, and he points to the wall. And on the wall, there's a, a, a white sandwich bag stapled to the wall and it's what i assume is detergent inside the sandwich bag and i was like what's the story behind that and he's like oh man he's like he's like this uh i think that might be an avi board or whatever he's like this is uh this is rick james's board this is rick james's board from come and get it all the way to to, to throwing down i said so this is the this is the board that made like super freaking and and give it to me and all that stuff. He's like, yeah, this is the board. As a matter of fact, he said we had to do so much maintenance on this board that the amount 
of accumulated cocaine dust Get out of here. from this board. He's like, we collected it, and that's Rick James's. That's like about seventeen years worth of cocaine that have fallen through the yeah. cracks of of the years of. of yeah, they've kept they kept Rick Rick James's cocaine hanging up on the wall at the studio. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> Oh my God, that's where it ends for this week. So suddenly, I know. But look, we got one more episode. We got another final hour of goodness coming at you next week. So don't fret. We'll be back at you soon for the final episode. Season four, what had happened was request love. My name is Open Mike Eagle. And uh, see you then. See you then. See you then.